I'm Rebecca from your student comms team and in this episode of Explore I'll be celebrating International Women's Day by speaking to several inspirational women from across the university. Each year colleagues are encouraged to nominate inspirational women they work with to be celebrated by our community on International Women's Day. There were so many great nominees who I'd have loved to interview but you can find out more about all the nominees on our website on our International Women's Day Talented Women webpage. The theme this year from the United Nations is Women in Leadership, Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World. So we will be celebrating these women and talking about their achievements, advice for people at the start of their careers, managing their own work with other pressures on their time, and much more. Today I'm joined by Associate Professor in Public Health, Environment and Sustainability and Chartered Psychologist Victoria Tischler as we celebrate this year's International Women's Day. Would you mind just introducing yourself and your role at the university for our listeners? Yeah, I'm Victoria Tischler. I'm an Associate Professor in the Centre for the Environment and Human Health, which is part of the College of Medicine and Health. And I've been in post for four weeks, so I'm quite new to Exeter. Um, I work on a project called the Inclusivity Project, which is all about uh, the health and well-being of older and disabled workers in Cornwall and the Isles of Scilly. And I also do research with older people's mental health. I'm particularly interested in people living with dementia and the use of creative interventions to support the health of people living with dementia and the people who care for them. Thank you. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think the pandemic has maybe shown that older people can be particularly neglected in um, public health crises. So how did you kind of get into that area of public health and what kind of inspired you to do research with older people? I really love working with older people and I feel often like I'm an ambassador for working with older people. Um, Older people are really interesting. They have a whole lifetime of experience behind them and they have lots of really interesting stories to tell and I think dementia is a condition that lots of people are very afraid of. So there's no cure for dementia, but there's lots of interest in how we might improve the lives and the health and well-being of people living with dementia. Um, And I work at a particularly uplifting and hopeful area of research, I would say, which is looking at the use of creativity to improve, improve people's mental health. And I work alongside artists, um, musicians, creative practitioners, all of whom have really amazing ideas for how to work with people, older people who maybe have an impaired sense of communication, who find it difficult to remember things perhaps, who maybe have become socially isolated because of their condition. And there's a whole field of research which is interdisciplinary called arts and health, which is the kind of area that I work in, which is all about looking at how we can use the arts and humanities to improve people's lives, to provide enjoyment, but also we know that there's cognitive and behavioural benefits and we also know that the arts can help people to communicate more effectively. And that's really interesting when you're working with people perhaps, you know, who have impaired communication or can't use verbal language the way that we do. And so it's a really interesting area of, of, of work and really joyful as well. And I think that's a real counterbalance to the often misery narratives that you hear about older people and people with dementia. So at the moment I'm working on a project which is 
responsive to the pandemic. So we're looking at how we can provide creative activities for older people working digitally uh, or remotely. So it's really challenging, but really interesting. So we're working with care homes, particularly trying to reach people from black and Asian communities who've been particularly hard hit by the pandemic. I think it's your Culture Box project, which is why your colleague nominated you as one of the inspirational women at the university. Um, so could you just talk a bit more about how these culture boxes and the use of kind of the arts is really beneficial to these communities? Yes, so we're working in care homes across England, um, looking at how we can provide creative activities for people who've been hard hit by the pandemic. So care homes which often have interesting artists coming in or people playing music, people doing drama activities, all of that's had to stop because of the pandemic. So some colleagues and I were thinking about ways that we could try and replicate or substitute for those type of activities, but to work mainly on a digital basis. So what we do, um, I work with really talented artists and musicians. In fact, all of my work involves collaboration with uh, creative people. And I love that way of working. I think interdisciplinary work is, is the most interesting area of research. And I certainly learn a lot through my work um, with creative practitioners. So what we're, we're looking to do is to develop new activities, which we uh, put in a box, which is delivered once a month to care homes. And then they're followed by digital deliveries every week on particular themes, trying to provide interesting activities for people with dementia, things that they can do with care staff in care homes who've been working really hard under really challenging circumstances as well. So the idea is to for those activities to provide enjoyment and interest, but also to provide interesting connections between people, uh, people who care for people with dementia and people who live with dementia. And we also work with public health specialists. So we're developing information in ways that are suitable for people who have cognitive impairment, because there's lots of complex, ever-changing information about the pandemic coming through on an almost daily basis. Yeah, thank you. That's really interesting because, like you say, I think there's some some key messages that get repeated, but they're probably aimed at very narrow group in a way. Um, so, yeah. so kind of going back to the start before you began this work, what um, inspired you initially to get involved in and pursue a career in academia, and in particular this kind of this interdisciplinary approach? Yeah, I've I've always worked in the mental health field. Um, from a very young age, I always had an interest in working with people who experienced a different reality, perhaps to the one that that most of you know most of society acknowledges as normal, if you like. Um, and I, as a student, spent a lot of time working with people on long stay psychiatric wards. Um, and I found that for some people, where there were difficulties in communicating, I started to use creative activities, and I found that creativity was a way to create a bridge between myself and someone who shared a different reality with me and my my expertise in mental health led me to doing a PhD I looked at the mental health problems of people who had experienced homelessness but I've always had this kind of secret passion for art well it's not very secret really but I feel a bit of an imposter because I'm not I'm not an artist but I've always found a way to involve my interests in arts in my work and about nine or ten years ago a colleague and I got talking at a conference as you do and we were both talking about a, an inspiring program at the Museum of Modern Art in New York called Meet Me at MoMA 
which was set up for people with Alzheimer's disease and their carers to come in and look at the artwork and discuss the artwork. And we decided it would be interesting to do something similar in the UK. So we started our first project with Nottingham Contemporary Gallery and Dulwich Picture Gallery, where we invited people with dementia and their carers in to come and have special tours of the artwork and then to make artwork in response to the art that they'd seen in both gallery settings. So that was where the, the idea started. And, and from there, it's become a really burgeoning area of, of work. There was an all-party parliamentary group for arts, health and well-being who released a report in 2017 uh, called Creative Health, which was all about promoting the benefits of arts and creativity for a whole range of mental and physical health conditioning uh, conditions. And then there's the whole area of social prescribing as well, which acknowledges that for lots of conditions which people might present to traditional health services for, there aren't really any magic cures, um, but there are lots of things that people can access in the community, including things like gardens, nature, exercise, going to galleries and museums that can be really beneficial for our arts and for our health and well-being, and also create connections with other people, which those kind of social connections which are really important to our mental health. And I've been really lucky to work with progressive academics who see the, the value in this area of work. And also um, I'm delighted that some really interesting, talented young scholars have come to do doctoral work with me. So for example, someone who had a background in fashion textiles has done a PhD with me looking at the experience of clothing and uh, how different fabrics impact on people living with dementia or how photography might benefit someone living with dementia in terms of documenting their daily life and showing that in an exhibition. So there's lots of interesting work that I've been doing and lots more to do as well. So I think it's a really fruitful area of work and I, I love talking about it. Yeah, it sounds very exciting. I kind of think that the idea of art and connectivity is really important, especially at a time when people are having to be separate or they can't be as connected as they would like. So how have you found joining the university during the pandemic? Because you say, I think you joined four weeks ago. Um, so how have you found mm -hmm. that and trying to connect with colleagues remotely? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a naturally um, digitally versatile person. I have a teenage daughter, you know, who's very, very intuitively using her, her, her smartphone and digital technology. Um, so having said, I don't find this the most comfortable medium, but I must say everyone's been really friendly and reaching out and has, have made me feel really welcome. And I've joined in with things like in the College of Medicine and Health, we have these randomised coffee trials where, as the name suggests, they just put us into random groups and we meet up once a month for a virtual coffee. So that's been, that's been really nice. And in my, one of my research teams, in the Culture Box team, one of the artists ran an experimental drawing workshop. And so we had the opportunity to be creative as well. I think there's been a, there's been a real resurgence of interest in, in um, using art in these times. I think people have perhaps realized what they're missing because they can't go and visit art galleries like they used to or go, go to the theater like they used to or even go and watch a, a film on the big screen. I think people know that being creative can be helpful for their, for their well-being at this time. Yeah, that's lovely to hear. Um, so you mentioned that you kind of work with young scholars and you really enjoy that. Have you got any advice for women starting their careers in academia or wanting to pursue a career in academia? Oh, that's a big question. 
I think follow, follow your heart as well as your head because I think finding something that you're really passionate about is, gives you a real drive and a job satisfaction and I think that's what I've found and that's why I love talking about the work that I do now and that's why I love working with junior scholars who have similar interests because not only is the work I'm doing valuable in terms of supporting people with serious health conditions, it also, I find it really stimulating intellectually. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Um, So have you had any mentors in your career or do you think finding a mentor is something that's important to people pursuing like at an early stage of their career? I'm a big fan of mentoring and earlier in my career I didn't really have any formal mentoring. Um, In fact in one of my posts I set up a mentoring scheme because there wasn't one. Um, But I try and support a lot in my current role and um, think about giving guidance and support to to colleagues is is important to me and having worked in quite male-dominated fields where sometimes I felt struggle you know I struggled to be heard I particularly look at helping people giving people a platform maybe people who might struggle to get access giving people opportunities to um, to present their work or to develop themselves. I think that's a really important part of my role. And I'd like to hope that I can be a role model for other people in terms of supporting them to, to, to make progress in their career in the way that they would like to. Academia can be quite competitive and I think it's good to have supportive allies around you that you can trust and that give good advice. Yeah, well, I know that in your nomination, they mentioned that you're very encouraging and supportive. So that's really nice to hear. But just to finish, I get the sense you've done a lot in your career and you're kind of involved in a lot of projects. Do you have kind of like a proudest moment from your career or is there kind of a lot of moments? I think one of the proud things I'm proudest of is I, I took the opportunity to go and work as a visiting scholar in, in Switzerland in an English literature department. So as for a psychologist, that's a quite an unusual step. And lots of people made comments about me doing it. But I think for me, that was a real turning point because I often describe myself as transdisciplinary. So, you know, more than just being interdisciplinary, I actually change my behavior and my mindset. And, and that gave me a first-hand experience of working in a completely different field in a completely different country Uh, and I found that I was much more I felt much more at home in the arts and humanities which for someone with quite a scientific training it was quite strange but for me it was a revelation and after that I became really committed to working in this kind of interdisciplinary space. And in fact, I, I left academia for a couple of years and worked in the arts full time, which again, people kind of raised their eyebrows and thought I was being ridiculous, you know, walking away from a tenured post. But for me, that's where the real learning occurs. And I think I would say to other people, don't be afraid of taking those opportunities because it can really open doors that you didn't expect. And sometimes it's worth stepping outside your comfort zone because you can really learn a lot. That's great advice. Thank you. It's been so lovely to talk to you today. And you. Continuing our celebration of International Women's Day, today I'm joined by Shays Chowdhury, who works as a communications and engagement officer for the university. How are you? Hi, Rebecca. I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's great to be here with you today. Um, So could you just introduce yourself and summarise your current role at the university um, and maybe your previous role at the Students Guild as well? 
Absolutely. So I currently work within the equality, diversity and inclusion team at the university. I support the project management side of the EDI action plan. And in the past, I've held the position of president at the Students Guild. And I was a student at the University of Exeter. So long association with the university. Yeah, exactly. So you say you studied here as a student um, and then you continued to work here. What kind of motivated you to come to university initially? So I came from India. I'm an international. I came as an international student. Um, I wanted to study English and I was like, what, where better than England? So Exeter was, had a really good course in terms of uh, the English department, but also I played football. So I played for the ladies football team when I started. So those were the two dro- sort of drivers to get me to Exeter. Oh, great. And then what kind of motivated you to stay and work here after you'd kind of finished as a student? So I, I ran in an election, which landed me the position of Guild President in 2017. I thoroughly enjoyed working with a lot of people that I still continue to work with in my job. So I think that was a big motivator. So people like Janice Kay, people like um, Imelda Rogers, so HR and um, EDI folks who I, I really enjoyed working with helped me stay. But also, um, I love Extra as a place. I think the city is great. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so you've been nominated as an inspirational woman at the university for your role as co-founder of the BME Network. Could you explain a bit more about how you co-founded this and what this network does? Yeah, happy to. Um, So we co-founded the BME Network in 2019. So this was myself and Tina Burhahi who co-founded the network. We saw that there was a space missing. So we saw that the university had women's networks and LGBT networks, but there wasn't a space for people from minority ethnic backgrounds. And we really wanted a safe space where people could A, come and discuss their experiences without having to actually explain why racism was so emotional and such an emotive topic for them, but also have, have a supportive community around them of people who had similar experiences. So that's where the network kind of started. And then it grew to influencing university policy, to making change and making this a better place for anyone from a minority ethnic background. It's one of the things I'm actually quite proud of having done in my career. Yeah, it's really impressive. Is there any kind of particular policy that you're most proud of that's kind of come from that network? I think there's a lot of stuff that's happened around it, but I think my colleague Tina, the stuff that she worked on, which is the Let's Talk series, was a really good development because that's got people comfortable talking about race and I think that's a really important first step in terms of making any change you've got to discuss the issue before you can even get close to tackling it so I'm quite proud of that yeah of course um so this year's UN women theme for International Women's Day is women in leadership achieving an equal future in a COVID-19 world um so how do you think leadership qualities have been important in your roles and what do you think makes a good leader I think leadership is a really key factor in terms of getting anything done. And I'm a big advocate for making change. And I'm, I'm never an advocate for things staying the same. So leaders are really key in that position. Some of the good leaders I've seen, I think the most important thing that they do is be honest and vulnerable, actually being real with their people and their teams. I think leaders are able to be positive in situations when they're really dire and they're really difficult. And also they're able to cope with uncertainty because there's a degree of uncertainty involved with everything that we do and being comfortable with not knowing everything, I think is a really important trait for a strong leader. Yeah, thank you. Um, so you mentioned kind of motivating people is really important. Obviously, people are having to work remotely at the moment. How do you kind of stay connected with people when you can't be in the office together? So my colleagues and I, we do have um, a catch up that goes on 
every day for about 20 minutes. So anyone can drop in and drop out as needed. But we do have co-working calls where we'll just call each other, stay on Teams and continue to do our work. Gives you a bit of an office vibe, um, but it keeps you connected. Or um, Teams, I think, was a really fun thing that happened was we send each other memes now. So GIFs are a really good addition in that way. And we have a bit of fun through them. Yeah, definitely. I like the idea of co-working. I've not, I've not heard people talk about that before. Um, so are there any kind of changes caused by COVID-19 in the workplace that you think you'd kind of want to see stay when things return back to more normal? I quite like actually to retain some of the changes that have happened since the COVID-19 pandemic. I think there's a degree of flexibility that's coming to the workplace so people can log in, log off, um, don't have to have that same structure of the day of that nine to five. They can actually have a lot more flexibility in their day. And it's been really positive for people with caring responsibilities or people with disabilities. Just kind of keeping that flexibility, I think, is key. And the other thing is accessibility, because often um, previously when we've done remote working, we haven't been able to manage the culture of someone who's remote with someone who's present in the room and how we have good discussions around that space. If we can retain some of that moving forward, I think, especially for people with access needs, it could be something that's really helpful because you've got things like live captioning and so on going on with our video conferencing softwares. So that would be one thing I'd like to retain. Yeah, I have to agree. It's quite nice having that flexibility, especially if we can include more people in the workplace. That's great. Um, so are there any kind of specific women from the public sphere or your personal life that you've kind of found inspiring or empowering in your career and that have kind of inspired what you do now? There's a lot of women I find really inspiring. Um, people like Michelle Obama, who I think a lot of people find inspiring. People like Melanie Eusebi, the chair of Black British Business Awards. Um, and also um, in our own sphere, I think people like Janice, people like um, Imelda, like Jackie, who've been here in the past, who've done some really good work. But personally, I think my mum is a really inspirational person for me because she... Um, it's like a personal story, but she runs a school for underprivileged kids in Delhi. And she started that 20 years ago and she's run that almost single-handedly. And I find that quite inspirational to just pick up that diversity of work and keep that going alongside every other expectation that you got. It's nice as well, I think, when it's someone personal to you because you see, you talk about leaders, good leaders being vulnerable, but I think you're more inclined to see that when they're personal to you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we've talked a lot kind of about your achievements as part of your work. Is there anything in particular that you find quite challenging about your work? Wow, what do I find challenging? There's so many challenges that come up on a day-to-day -day basis, but I'm always the kind of person I take a challenge as an opportunity. I'm like, oh, what am I going to learn from this? Or how, like, even when I make mistakes, actually, I, I go back and I'm like, actually, I learned something from that and that's okay. But um, we do face challenges, I think, sometimes around just lack of time. You, there's so much, especially in the diversity and inclusion space, that you want to do. But time and resource, just having people with the right skills at the right time available to do the right things is a big challenge that comes up every now and again. Yeah, completely. It's such a big organisation um, that definitely presents challenges. Um, so have you had any mentors who you've kind of found helpful just throughout your life? Um, and if you have, what do you think makes a good mentor? Oh. For majority of my life, books have been my mentors. I read a lot of Daniel Pink, a lot of Jay Shetty's. I recently finished reading um, Think Like a Monk. I also read a lot of Carol Dweck. So a lot about the growth mindset and that sort of has been my mentor space. But I did have a really good mentor who's, funnily enough, on University Council for Exeter now, uh, Joe Binding. 
And uh, I found it really helpful because I think something that I personally struggled with was recognizing my achievement because of the culture that I grew up in and the general sort of um, as women, we struggle to recognize our achievements and our successes. Um, she really put me in a space where I could talk about my successes conf- like confidently and actually advocate for myself. Um, I was really proud of this because in following that mentorship, I was able to actually have a one-to-one conversation with my manager and be like, I think my work is above what I'm currently working at and I think I deserve a promotion and actually talk through that process, which was a really tangible outcome of that good mentorship relationship. Yeah, that's really impressive. I think a lot of women will relate to that, especially that idea of you're often encouraged not to take up space, but actually like, you know, knowing your worth and presenting that's really important. Um, And I think men are encouraged to do that a lot more. Men also tend to do that a lot more. There's really interesting studies that show that in terms of jobs or opportunities, men, if they even meet 40% of the criteria, will apply for them. Whereas women want to meet exactly everything before they even think about applying to a job. So we need to do more of women empowerment. Yeah, definitely. I remember seeing that study and being so shocked. Um, But yeah, do you have a favourite memory of your time at Exeter? I know you've kind of been there in loads of different roles, but do you have a favourite memory from your time here? I think my favorite memory was getting elected. Um, it, it was yeah. such a such a big thing for me because there hadn't been an international student who was president before me. There wasn't a person of color who'd been a president before me. And just making that mark and having that sort of historical place in extra, I think was a really significant thing for me and one of my favorite memories. Yeah, definitely. And what were your kind of priorities when you were president? Did you kind of find that really fulfilling to be that role? Absolutely. It, I, I tell people it's the best and the worst job in the world. Best because you get exposure like no other graduate job that you would ever have. But the worst because you're consistently in public scrutiny. You're consistently like, I, I would be out in a club and someone would come up and be like, you're girl president, let me tell you all about my life problems. And <laughs> to the point where I started carrying business cards with me and be like, talk to me on Monday morning. But yeah, I I just I think it's a wonderful opportunity and people should take up SU positions if they can because they're real real growth statistics like real growth pathway I think. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point. You're such under public scrutiny. That's really challenging. Do you have any kind of advice for people going through it now who are under that public scrutiny? I think the most helpful thing I found was you can't please everyone. You will never make everyone happy. So do things that are authentic to you things that you can look back on and be proud of. I still have things that I look back and I can see the legacy. So I would just, that's my biggest piece of advice I can give to someone. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. It's been so lovely to talk to you today. Lovely to talk to you as well. Hello, I'm joined today by Kath Ashenden, who works for FX Plus as an application engineer. So you were nominated by several colleagues as an inspirational figure at the university. So I wonder if you could just explain a bit about your role and when you started it. Okay, so um, I moved to the role of application engineer in about October last year. So during lockdown, so interesting time. Um, So we are a third line support team supporting the software and applications for Falmouth and some for Exeter as well. And my role, I kind of, the first line within a third line team, if that makes sense. So I kind of look at all the calls coming in, triage them, and then pass them over to to other people in the team. And myself, I'm starting to pick up some of the applications. And the one that I've picked up and spent quite a lot of time with is the um, COVID tracker app that we use. 
So that's that's been my main focus a lot of the time. And that's that's been a learning curve at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Was it did you find it yeah. difficult transitioning to that a new role in lockdown or were you quite excited for a new challenge? It it was really exciting. Um and it's it's an area that I've worked in a long time ago before children and all sorts of other things. So it was really nice to get back to to what I what I used to do. But it was a challenge, I think, the fact that we're all working from home made it slightly more complex because it wasn't a case of just being able to sit with somebody and, and shadow them as such. Although I am doing that, I think remotely it's a lot slower in a way because I, I have to schedule in time with people. And Whereas I think if we were in the office, I could just hop around the office and, and watch people when they're doing something interesting. Yeah, so I think possibly slower, but it, it's enjoyable. It's been a, quite a steep learning curve to say the least <laughs> yeah and I know I know what you mean when you're not in the office you don't necessarily get that informal contact that's quite important um yeah. so is yeah, there a, is there a way that you try and kind of keep that going with your team you kind of try and stay in contact even when we are having to be physically apart um yeah so we have um we have a team's channel that we communicate in every every day um we have a stand up two or three times a week just a 10 minute chat to see what's going on um, and that quite often people will mention they're doing certain tasks and they'll say, oh, Kath, do you want to sit in on this and what have you? So that that's quite handy. And I think it probably helps that I knew them before I moved into this role. So I already worked in the department. So I could just sort of say, if anyone got anything I can have a look at. Um, yeah, I think, I think knowing them probably helps because working with a new team and you don't know anyone and you've never met them is quite interesting although I haven't met my manager yet <laughs> so that's quite strange it's, it's interesting I'm the same I, I haven't met my colleagues in person yet um so it's an yeah. interesting time um but I know due to yeah, lock yeah. due to lockdown a lot of women and just parents have faced additional pressures of kind of homeschooling um and your nomination yeah. it mentions that you also um keep horses so I was wondering yes have you found remote working kind of helps with your work-life balance or is it kind of just created new challenges? Um, I think for me it's actually helped in quite a lot of ways because um, I'm a single parent. I have two younger children and then an adult um, daughter who who has Asperger's and and other issues. Um, So I've got quite a lot on my plate and then obviously with the horses as well. Being at home gives me that little bit more flexibility to to kind of manage everything because it's quite a mammoth task every day but it's 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 worked out and I do miss everyone from the office I'd like to be back in the office but maybe not all the time (laughs) yeah I think I'm hearing that from a lot of people because do you kind of think that although you know we wouldn't want to be in this pandemic are there some things that we'd want to keep afterwards like maybe more flexible working yeah absolutely yeah yeah, so sort of, you know, having to do school runs and what have you. And I, I just find it a bit easier to fit that in when I'm working from home. I can just take a late lunch break, pick the kids up and yeah. But but on the other hand, it, it's hard trying to balance the education and the work, um, the the teenager particularly. Is, is quite hard work to motivate him because he knows I'm working and he'll sort of slink off to his room and and just hope that if he's quiet I'll forget about him and (laughs) yeah it's so difficult I think some people think oh it's really hard having younger children because you have to do it but I think you know at every age there's a new challenge I guess 
yeah definitely yeah um i think having the horses has, has been a massive help to me because i'm actually shielding as well um due to physical health problems so I've, I've been going to the horses that's the only place i've been so i think i might have gone a little bit more mad if if i didn't have that to <laughs> keep me slightly sane so yeah so can you talk a bit more like how long have you kept horses um so i started riding when i was probably about 13 um and i've had horses most of my life competed um quite a bit nothing spectacular but done a fair bit with them and both my daughters ride my son doesn't he hates horses with a passion so when my youngest started school i decided it was time to get myself another horse of my own and now my youngest is old enough to be off the lead rein. We we just go out for hacks and stuff at the moment, which is really nice. So, Oh, that's nice. Yeah, especially, like you say, with yeah. your shielding, kind of giving you something to do and something to focus yeah. on, maybe, that's not, not yeah, work, that's but it. not COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Even just being in the, the horrible weather and the wind and the rain, just being out of the house is quite nice. <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, without having to be somewhere where there's lots of people and crowded, so. Yeah, are you in Cornwall? Are you near the coast? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had snow recently. and Yeah, snow. And then back to uh, lovely weather at the moment. So yeah, It can't be too bad. I think people in Exeter will be jealous. I don't think they got snow. This year's uh, UN theme for International Women's Day is um, women in leadership. So I kind of wanted yeah. to ask you, how do you think leadership and role, um, qualities have been important in your role? And what do you think makes a good leader in the workplace? Uh, okay, yeah. So I, I guess really, yeah, manage, time management is is a massive thing for me at the minute um, with trying to work and educate the children, um, working around the, the meetings that they've got and the meetings that I've got and prioritising when we have clashes. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's been a challenge, but I think it's all it's all learning. It's all, you know, good qualities to have. And I think I think for the children as well just for them to see that, that I do that I do work. <laughs> I don't just disappear for the day, I, I do stuff. And <laughs> they occasionally wander over and say, oh, that looks interesting. That's my, my job. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you think it's given them a bit more insight into kind of how you actually spend your work day? I think so, yeah, yeah. And I think that they hear, um, they hear a, different, a different person when I'm having sort of work calls as well. <laughs> um, and my partner's the same, he said, well, who was that? That's me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they, they sort of see the other side of me, they're serious. And I, I think that's really been important to me as well. Being able to work has actually been massively helpful so that I've been able to be me rather than just mum. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so I understand that you work in IT and yeah. I know in some, in a lot of companies, um, women are kind of underrepresented in that sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was yeah. wondering, do you have any advice for other women who want to work in IT? Oh goodness, I just just wouldn't let it put you off, really. I think in I've I've worked on and off with IT for for quite a number of years, and it has always been the case. Um, either I've worked where there's not been many women, or I've worked in a kind of an IT role within a, a non IT organisation. So I've been in a kind of standalone IT role, which would have been hard for sort of anybody, male or female. But I think really just putting yourself forward, really, and, and not being intimidated by anybody and keeping them in check sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
yeah I'm probably not the girliest of girls I'm sure that's that's probably a polite way of putting it but um <clears throat> yeah I think I think it, it's still very much a thing we, we we have a handful of women in our in our team so in the whole department really so I don't know but I, I do find um I sometimes with customers talking to customers I do find that their approach to me as a female is sometimes a lot better than the approach that one of my male colleagues might have with a with a customer. I, I found that quite a lot. Um, it's difficult to put into words, really, but... Yeah, it's interesting. Um, one of those things that you probably only learn by doing it. Yeah, I just find sometimes women particularly will sort of, you know, I'll, if I sort of speak to them, that they'll sometimes they prefer to speak to a woman sometimes, whether they feel intimidated talking to a man, sort of, you know, as a in an IT role. Yeah, well, I guess there's that empathy of like, maybe they kind of uh, think you might be going through similar things or, you know, you're not going to maybe make judgments that men might be more likely to make. That's it. I think, yeah, I think some people are quite, find it quite refreshing to talk to someone who's female who's working in IT. Oh, that's nice to hear. Not always. (laughs) I I do occasionally have some men who kind of think, oh, you can tell the way they talk to you. They're kind of like, oh, you're a woman. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) like oh I've been waiting for this yeah <laughs> yeah unfortunate but that's fine I, I had two two big brothers so I'm fairly good at standing up for myself <laughs> yeah um yeah so just to finish I wanted to ask is there kind of a favorite memory that you have from working at the university or in your current role goodness I think just just generally that the team that I work in is, is such a great team and we are really lucky it's just a lovely environment and I think um I almost being one of the few females in the, in the department it's almost like having a load of big brothers it's or a load of brothers because I'm probably older than a lot of them actually um but it's like having a load of brothers and they kind of look out for you um yeah I, I do miss them I try not to tell them but I do <laughs> I do miss them because it's, it's yeah it's very much nearly a year since I was in the office now so I'm really lucky just just working we have a we have a laugh we work well together um it's just I'm, I'm very lucky it's a really lovely place to work yeah that's really nice to hear thank you it's been lovely to speak to you today thanks for listening to this episode of explore it was great to speak to victoria shades and kath and congratulations again to all the women nominated this year the university is hosting a range of online events to celebrate international women's day and you can find out more about these on our social media profiles and on our International Women's Day events page on our website. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Goodbye.